1: To the Dogland podcast. It's been a while, but we're back. It's draft week. Uh, we've got plenty of content coming at you this week, not only on the podcast, but on dogland.com as well. But uh, joining me tonight as we kick off draft week is none other than Jack Duffin. Jack, how you doing, buddy? It's been a minute.
0: I'm doing good. It's good to be back behind the mic um, for a change. So uh, yeah, I've uh, been on an uh, unintentional hiatus.
1: Yeah, and I actually wanted to start right away with that because I seen... Paul Brown's tweet yesterday and like I was absolutely floored and he said there was a, uh, you guys got blocked or copyright or because of a copyright because of a uh, song licensing. And here I thought it might've been from the intro with, um, I forget the name of the band, honestly. Um, that's in your guys's intro the clash London schooling. Yeah. And then, or, um, at the end with danger zone by Kenny Loggins, because feeling like, you know, people get copyrighted left and right over here in America for song licensing things and videos or anything. And I'm thinking like, man, they finally got them for that, but here, and I will let you explain this. It's from an episode from like when you guys first started back in like 2018. So uh, go ahead and explain what's been going on. Uh, What's the update. If you have any on the status of the podcast, getting it back up off the ground.
0: Yeah. So effectively it was the end of a, I think it was a couple of years ago. It was the end of a, when we came off and it wasn't me i'm I'm a, uh the, the editing on that podcast luckily um but we used to just throw in some different songs for like 30 seconds at the end of a, a pod after we won of just say hey mix it up with something and uh apparently one of them got flagged by i think it was universal and um yeah We we got caught um and the fact that it's ages ago is just nuts um but yeah that, that episode's now gone disappeared forever but uh we're waiting for it to go live so at some point we're gonna be back soon we're waiting for them they said hey delete the episode and we'll put you back online we delete the episode and they've now not got back to us um so yeah so, soon guys we'll be back daily um we haven't run away um some people assumed it was a battle to the death and i, I came out as a winner which uh thanks for all those that uh, backed me but uh yeah it, it's one of them
1: bizarre things that Weird stuff happens. So the Paul Brown podcast will be back. We just don't know when, uh, but looking forward to hearing you, Paul, Ian, everybody over there uh, back on This might be my pre-draft exclusive. You might might get
0: my pre-draft exclusive and I don't appear anywhere else.
1: I'm honored. And uh, I'll have to talk to you about something uh, after the draft as well, or about the draft uh, after we're done recording. But, uh, you know, you've been a machine since the offseason began when it comes to articles and you pumped out a couple more this week. So I wanted to get you in here to talk about them. Also talk about the draft, obviously. And cause I forget for those that don't know, my name is Jack McCurry. I'm the editor of the dogland.com. I'm also been a, a co-host here with Anthony Jokey. I forgot to introduce myself, Jack. That's how, how long it's been. It's been a month since we've done an episode. So kind of forgetting how to do some things around here, but uh, yeah, we're talking about the draft obviously. And um, Jack, Your first article last week was excellent. Still getting rave reviews. Everybody on Brown's Twitter, it's like every day we're seeing a new somebody, new somebody posting, hey, this is great work by Jack. You know, Jake Burns did it. Lane Adkins. I mean, everybody in Brown's Twitter has been so supportive of this. You made a essentially an analytics draft board, and you you took the relative athletic score that's created by Kent Lee Plate, aka Math Bomb and you took essentially what what we know the Browns like in terms of guardrails and all that and created a draft board using different mock draft simulators. Uh, it's really great stuff. If anybody hasn't seen it yet, go to thedogland.com. I will actually put it in the description of this episode just so you guys can check it out. Jack, some fantastic stuff, man, as always, coming from you.
0: Yeah, it was a really interesting one, and we've been playing around with it and what we've been doing on the podcast is effectively going through the different days of hey day one day two day three for each different position and then just chatting about the guys basically through everyone but saying hey this this guy doesn't match because of age this guy doesn't match because of um lack of athleticism this guy there's uh, some other issue with and we've systematically done that but i thought hey well I, I want to put it together so I know the list because um, it's a useful thing to sit there and watch during draft night and go, Hey, well, that's gone. And then if you're like, Oh, I really want them to take a, a tight end or something. And it's like, well, looking at the numbers, there's, there's not really a tight end in this range. Um, it, it's just sort of useful information to know. Um, and then also just of like, Hey, if you hit, if you listen to podcast someone's banging the table going, Oh, I really want to draft this guy. And I'm like, well, he's not athletic and he's the wrong age. It's like, eh, he he, he might have great tape, but lots of it is just guessing. And I'll start with that. It's it's, we've had one draft and, um, we've seen that they drafted really young guys and I have actually set an age limit higher than the Browns used last time. So, um, I, 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 gave a bit more of a cushion there because we don't know. It could just be small sample in one draft. Um, But yeah, everyone was really, really young. The oldest is Jordan Elliott and he's 22.7 come week one of last season. So that there and the relative athletic score, there was actually Bryant was under that threshold that I set, but everyone else was sort of comfortably above it um, Bar one that was close, um, which was Nick Harris was just above the 6.66 that I set. Um, But they do like athletic guys and then you've got an example grant delpit last year didn't test so it doesn't have a relative athletic score and thus wouldn't be on my board so it's not saying hey i 100 percent guarantee they're only going to draft these 88 players that i've found and it, it's still a large pool um but it, it's just a way of sort of narrowing it down and going hey this is roughly probably what they're looking at um there will be some crossover there'll be other guys that <laughs> there's obviously lots of stuff these scouts do of off-field issues um the 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 quarterback that one quarterback that i pulled up and the quarterback and relative athletic score they probably don't care that much about has an issue with baker off field so it's like he's not likely to draft allegedly Elling. we
1: don't know for sure if this guy has a real beef with baker
0: uh, well, i'll, I'll say it. um that it, it, there's loads of other stuff. It, it's not as simple as you put the numbers in and press return, but it's just really interesting information. And uh, no, I thought that's what I'll, I'll put out. And uh, no, it's, it's gone down really, really well. So loads of people seem to have enjoyed it. And just an interesting way of looking at it. And I, I averaged off four different mock draft simulators. The reason I did four is because, hey, especially once you get past those top sort of 50 players, you um, you get such variations, and there's some drafts where I'm sat there and I oh, said This guy, 110, you'd have to draft him to get him. And then I put him into the next one, and he's like, oh, He's 350th as a player. And I'm like, Right, <laughs> let's put him in four different ones, and then we'll see roughly where we're at.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it really great stuff. Like I said, go definitely check it out. Like, you have it. You have it by position and then you have it by pick. And I think it's perfect because, you know, some people will say, well, Joe Treon, for instance, you have him as a potential trade down to about the 45th pick. Well, a lot of people are saying he could be a legitimate option at 26, but, you know, based on what you've done with mock draft simulators, you're saying this guy, he's been, he's been in the forties. I know mock drafts and the legit draft are two, two completely different things but it's interesting that you have a guy like him at about the 45 pick 45th pick mark but he could be a legitimate option at 26 along with guys you have ranked at 26 jason oa out of penn state jalen phillips uh, aziz ogilari and gregory russo who didn't test out very well athletically, but has been linked to the 26 pick. Peter Schrager from Fox Sports and the NFL Network had him as the Browns pick at 26. So it's very interesting the way you assembled it all. And I really like how it's all laid out. And so you can, you go right to the pick and then you see what options are there at each position. It's really simple as any, any, any Browns fan can look at it and be able to uh, read it and understand what you're trying to do here.
0: Yeah, and it's about making it really approachable. There's no point going into big details on, hey, well, why am I excluding this person? Why, why is that? And sort of a long write-up. It's very much just sort of that. It's a handy, nice guide that you can just flick to. Um, and lots of people, this is something I've really enjoyed. Lots of people have taken it and done their own mock drafts with these different simulators and gone in their head of going, right, I'm going to base it on I can't draft anyone not on this list. And they'll sit there and then play with it. And I've had loads of people tweet me and gone, "Hey, I've, I've used the, the guardrails you put together and the guardrails board. Here's here's the draft I come up with." And loads of people are like, "Well, I love the, that mock." And people have tweeted it. And you've got people like Stephen Thomas have said, "Hey, that I, I'd be really happy with that as a draft." And it's like. That's sort of a testament to it. It's not ridiculous what they put together. And there was sort of lots of fears when Berry came out, I think was it was 114 or 124 players. 114 he said that they, they have draftable grades on and people are like, what, they're not going to draft someone out of the top, like 120 picks. And it's like, well, no, because that, that's spread out through the entire draft. And obviously it's, it's one that in hindsight, I probably should have tweaked the way I did it. Um, but I sort of excluded anyone that was going to be gone by 26, sort of a high-round quarterbacks, high-round linebackers, high-round offensive tackles. Because a player like Penny Sewell probably would be on their board. Um, whereas I was just like, Penny soul's not going to be there. Get rid of him. Um, which, yeah, made more useful what I was trying to build it for. But because mine was all done before Andrew Berry did his interview and said 114, if I'd have done it before, I'd have said, right, sod it, let's put everyone in and uh that i could have probably maybe next year i'll list a secondary list on the bottom that has guys that we have a great relative athletic score but no age or we have um an age but did not test for a relative athletic score um and put them in sort of the unknowns at the bottom so uh maybe next year got some tweaks and changes and i'll keep some blacked out areas which um there's not a player listed but then i might put them in white writing just to be like well we're not going to draft this guy but he he, he would be on the list
1: yeah i mean you look back at last year um grant delbert did not test all you had was his age his height and his weight but i mean i think the browns might have something similar to this in their draft room to where they have everything laid out in terms of data like you put together but at the same time it's only a piece of the puzzle I'm sure the scouts all said this guy is great great talent. You can get him in the middle second round. Um, the Browns actually peeled back; they were at pick 41, they moved back a couple spots, gained an extra pick, and still took Delpit. They might have been he might have been higher on their board, and they had no nothing to base it on um, athletic wise, athletic profile wise. But they seen what they liked on tape. They heard everything that uh, the coaches and their teammates had to tell them. And that's why they went ahead and made Delpit a second round pick. So I think they use this. Um, I think they could use something like this definitely as a piece of their puzzle. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Barry and all the anal- analytics guys had something similar to this in their front office as well.
0: A hundred percent age we know is important to them, but I I think after the 2022 draft, we'll be able to sit there and go, right, we've really got a good idea for these. And there, there was a weird stat I saw, um, because I was looking around at the data. And in the article, I've got all the data for the draft class last year. But I was looking at um, the UDFAs, and I don't think it was in there either. But they didn't draft anyone under six foot. And that, I think, is just by luck. I don't think that's an intentional line. But that's something that's going to be really, really interesting to look at next year. Um, or next year, um, after the draft this year. Because who knows? that That could be something where they're like, hey, we, we, we don't want smaller players in the draft. We'll happily add them to the roster if they come up. Um, I'm not saying it's, a, hey, we don't want... You got, I've got my boy Troy Hill. And they've obviously got Ward. But that might be something where they're like, actually, we, we think height's important. Um, we're not going to say no to it, but if we're just drafting guys and we're taking almost punts on them, we, we do value height. So... Um, no, it's, it's one of them things that I, I mentioned it because I don't, I don't think it's any sort of red line there. But if you've got seven draft picks and they're all over six foot, then it's the sort of thing that, hey, it's a data point. And if we go through an entire draft this year and everyone's over six foot, then we're probably going to be sat here in 2022 going, if they're under six foot, you probably want to take them off your draft board. Sorry, Elijah Moore. Sorry, uh, Samuel at the cornerback. Um, it, it could be the case. It's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this weekend we'll really test that because a lot of the wide receivers are below six foot. Obviously, you mentioned um, Asante Samuel Jr., the corner. He's below six foot. So that, that theory that's only been, you know, one draft deep uh, could be put to the test this weekend. Definitely. If they continue to draft guys over six foot, that could be a trend going forward that they will not take guys This is Chief Conti of the Metropolitan Police Department, and I'm asking for your help. We all must avoid using our cell phones while driving as lives are increasingly at risk with this behavior. So much can happen when you are distracted by a phone, and the results could be deadly. Help us make Vision Zero a reality by keeping your eyes on the street. MPD is enforcing the district's hands-free distracted driving laws. One text or call can wreck it all smaller than six foot tall, which is interesting, but I mean, that could be something they look at uh, data wise and say, Hey, we like our guys to be taller, especially I think Joe Woods, because of his background, does he like taller corners or does he like the smaller ones? Obviously we have smaller ones currently on the roster, but if we draft a corner, say that's six foot or taller, and maybe we, we double dip in draft two. That could be a trend going forward where Joe Woods likes taller athletic corners in his secondary. So definitely going to be something to watch.
0: Yeah. And even looking at the UDFAs, 10 different UDFAs, all six foot plus.
1: So um, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's kind of go ahead and continue talking about the draft um, before we get to your other article. uh Obviously, we're looking at pick 26. There has been scuttlebutt about trading up, and I know you don't like that conversation, Jack, but looking at Greg Newsome, that's obviously, I think, been the hot name. There's been two hot names, I would say. Greg Newsome, the corner out of Northwestern, and Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. Jack, I don't know if you would agree or disagree, but if they were to move up, I feel like those might be the only two guys they would consider moving up for. And if they're going to do it, and I heard, I think it was Stephen Thomas and Jeff Lloyd, they were on the not the same old Browns podcast. Um, They said if they're going to do it, they're going to have to go into the teens. So based on what you've read, watched out of those two guys, would you be a proponent of trading up to add one of those two to the roster? Not even talking about just trading up the cost, et cetera, but looking at the talent. Would you be a proponent of moving up for one of those guys if that was the apple of Andrew Berry's eye?
0: Yeah, so for me, the reason why it's just I'm against the whole logic of trading up is only 12 out of 32 draft picks, as on average, will get a second contract with a team that draft them. And that just says teams are really, really bad at drafting players and especially at the corner position, which is something we can touch on in the next article. And it's like, do, do I want to take that extra risk? And even a wide receiver, hey, we can look back the last two drafts. There's been so many amazing wide receivers drafted in the second round. What makes me feel that this guy is so much better than everyone else? And last year, if you were turning around to anyone and saying, Jeffrey Akuda, I don't think he's very good. You'd have been laughed at. And a year later... I don't think if, if you were banging the table and go Jeffrey Kuda, that guy's got the potential to be a hall of famer. People are now probably laughing at you um, after one year. Um, and that's how quickly it can all change. So for me, that's why I'm not sure on the trading up. If you, I was actually thinking about this a lot earlier today. If you're going to trade up, maybe from 59, but I think if you're going to balance out, you're probably more like to trade down from 26, but then trade up from 89. I think that's probably the pick where you trade up from. Um, if there's someone you like falling into, say, the 70s, and then, yeah, I would say that that's the one you jump from. Um, I, I think you'd move from, let's say, 89 to... 75 maybe um I, I if, you, if you're gonna look at a browns trade up i'd say that's the pick
1: okay yeah i mean i don't think they'll trade up but i'm not leaving it like i've necessarily going to say that's not gonna happen i feel like if they want newsome and say he's there around 17 18 and they know he's not gonna get there and i don't think he'll get there i think they start calling those teams like 17 18 19 and trying to
0: move colts. up
1: because the colts are what like 20 or 21 Be the Colts make at 21 because yeah.
0: he's he's definitely gone at 22 to the titans yeah Um, the colts might take him but the colts are a team that's always up for a trade down so, and the browns
1: have history with them the last couple of drafts
0: yeah if there's going to be a trade down keeping on the colts uh sorry trade up the, yeah. the colts would be the one that i could i could legitimately see it happen and it's, it's actually a trade that
1: um, Peter King predicted in his article yesterday. He did, yeah. Uh, But I feel like the the Colts, there is history there. We traded up, I think it was, to get greedy, and then we traded down with them last year to get Delpit. So there is history there, even with two different regimes. Like, I think the phone lines are definitely open between Ballard and Barry, so that would be something to watch, but I don't see at the same time. The Colts and Titans are right there with us in the hunt of the AFC. Are they really going to help us? When they want that player, I don't think so.
0: But I I, I, I you hear lots of people say this, but I, I think it's the opposite that most smart teams they know that trading down's better than trading up. True. And if you genuinely believe that, why do you care about allowing another team to jump up? Because if 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 you're a proponent let's say you've drafted six for instance we're not talking about quarterback don't get into the quarterback argument we're talking about non-quarterback if you went well someone's offering two first round picks to come up would I be saying "Mm, I can take the Steelers the Ravens the the Bengals two first round picks and give them one first round pick and whoever gets the two first round picks is in so much better position. I'd be like, yeah, I'd do that. Uh, because it's not about that one player they get. It's the two players that you're taking from them. So I, I I, get why teams are sometimes hesitant to do it, especially when it's a quarterback. But when it's a non-quarterback, I'll be all over that. I'll be like, yeah, you you, you can jump up here and I'll, I'll, I'll steal your picks. The Bengals, if, if the Bengals went, I'll give you two seconds and you can have our... Um, pick at 26 i'll be like yeah do that i'll I'll let the bengals jump up because we'll have their pick so i i think a smart team would be all over that because
1: you're screwing your opposition very true very true so if they stay at pick 26 jack based on what you've read what you've watched who who would you be who would you who is your ideal target at the if there, there. I mean, it's hard to say because we're at pick twenty-six. We don't know how the first twenty-five is gonna shake out besides one and two. Who who are you liking there at twenty-six?
0: For me, Greg Newsom's my favorite. Um there. Then Bateman's nice, but I'm leaning probably more towards an edge. Okay. Just because I I feel good about we can get wide receiver on day to second round. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of those top four picks. I need a cornerback. I need an edge. I need a wide receiver. Absolutely. Don't care too much on the order. And ideally, yeah, the other one probably as a safety is where I'd like to lean, but I don't mind if it's sort of an interior defender. I don't really mind if it's anything you can go anywhere with that. That extra top 400 pick is almost a wild card. Do, do whatever you could double dip a corner. Um, but yeah, I just I'm I'm not as high on Bateman as some of the others. Um, I would love Quitty Pay to be there, but he's he's just never going to be there. No, um, no but yeah, I I think Newsom's gone by 22, so it makes it makes it, it makes it harder for me to go. I'm going to take a corner because I'm like Stokes and Samuel, are good Mellifon was good. I'm not like oh I desperately want these guys. I'm like I'll trade back and if if one of them, one of them will be there at 45, 46, so I'm don't mind. Um, in terms of that edge group, Phillips does intrigue me. Um, if as long as the medicals there, Farley, I can't see being there. If if the Browns feel comfortable enough that he's on their board, which according to Lane Atkins, he is, then if he's he's not going to be there. Um, yeah, just if you're going to draw off someone, I think Bateman will be there. I'm going to say, go for, just go for Bateman then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lane said on he was on with Jake Burns Sunday night. He said that he doesn't think Bateman will be there, but I think if he's there, I think he's definitely in the discussion. So you got to think, I've said this numerous times. Go back to last year, CD Lamb was in the discussion at 10. We ended up taking Wills because I don't think they thought Wills was going to be there. So they obviously went with Wills, but Lamb was obviously in the discussion, which is a year ago we were looking at wide receiver. I feel like this is something that Barry does look at, regardless of the contract situation with Beckham and Landry going into 2022 and beyond. If they can find playmakers, impact playmakers, I think they're going to be heavily in the discussion. And Bateman, and Jake Burns brought this up, you know, last year, you can't really look at 2020 because he had COVID. He lost 20 pounds. He wasn't the same player. You go back and look at 2019. He was one of the best receivers in the country. He was, I mean, he was amazing for Minnesota. So I do think he'll be, I think he might be there at 26. I tend to think like if Lane Adkins doesn't think he's going to be there, I trust Lane because he he knows what he's talking about when it comes to football. Um, So if he's not there, obviously, and I don't think Newsom would be there. If he's there at 26 somehow, that would be a shocker. I do think they'll go edge just because Clowney's on a one-year deal. Tag McKinley's on a one-year deal. They need to look at something just in case neither one of them work out. Uh, I like Jalen Phillips, but the concussions thing worries me. So I'm at the point where I would look at Joe Treon or Jason Owa, or even if they peel back a little bit, they could still get one of those guys. But even if they don't get one of them, Peyton Turner looks really nice based on you know what I've seen what people are talking about they can get a nice edge rusher at 59 or if they move up from that spot so mm-hmm. there's tons of options there I'm just ready for Thursday night to get here and to see how it all shakes out yeah and the, re-
0: the reason why wide receivers is really really important and lots of people whether it's with, with the Bengals at five people are chatting about hey Penny saw or Jamal Chase how much does an elite offensive lineman make a difference and Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas is not just an elite. He is a Hall of Fame left tackle. Hall of Fame. Easy. How much difference did he make during his time? And, and and that's a genuine question that you can ask of, like, did he take a okay quarterback and make him a great quarterback? No. Um, he, he was incredible at what he did. But it's, it's where that – if you gave someone, hey – this is going to be, turn it into an elite offensive line. That's great, but it's not because it's not just Joe Thomas. Yeah, you're relying on four other dudes to be good next to him. Um, as long as they're good, it's, it's fine. Um, but one one two people struggle. It doesn't matter that Joe Thomas is amazing if the other side of the line is not good enough. Whereas if you look at how good these elite wide receivers make their quarterback, and everything's got to be everyone understands that quarterback's the most important position. Well, then the, the next question comes back after, after you find a good quarterback is how, how do we make the quarterback better? And it, it's about having talent at wide receiver. Wide receiver is the most important position. It doesn't matter about your running back, your tight end, all your other stuff. That's nice to have. The elite wide receiver really makes a difference because that just makes your quarterback's life easier. They can miss by half a yard and that wide receiver's going to get it. It's not going to be a pick six and go the other way. That, that sort of stuff, it makes a world of difference. So there's no reason taking a quarterback, a wide receiver that high. Um, so no, I, I think it's certainly in the discussion. A smart front office like this, and yeah, Corey Coleman, it wasn't a good pick. But they, they do know the positional value. It is very, very, very strong. And if you're saying wide receiver isn't important, then you're also saying a quarterback isn't important. And that is nuts in the modern NFL. Those
1: two positions are more closely linked than any other. Absolutely. The thing with the Bengals though, I feel like a lot of people are saying like, take Panay Sewell or even Rashawn Slater at five. Joe Burrow got his butt kicked last year. And here's the thing with the Bengals. They have Mixon, they have Higgins, they have Boyd. They did lose AJ Green. So they don't have a legit number one wide receiver, but if Burrow's not going to be protected and you know, I'm obviously the Bengals are going to be a threat if he stays healthy and is as good as advertised. If he's not getting protected, that's a waste of a number one overall pick on Joe Burrow because he's just going to get damaged. He's going to get taken to the woodshed. He's going to end up like Tim couch and David Carr. He's going to get beat up constantly. Like the Browns had playmakers at receiver, but they didn't have a line to protect him in the early two thousands. And that's why, it, it baffles me when people label Tim Couch a bust and it's like, did you see the offensive line he was behind during his start of his career? Like Jamar Chase is great and he would make the Bengals offense exciting and would fill potentially fill the void that A.J. Green's left behind. But if he doesn't have a line, like you're never going to see how good Joe Burrow truly is. And I feel like that's why a lot of people are shaking their head at the Bengals for taking a wide receiver over an offensive tackle when that's been a pressing need for a year now.
0: Uh, from, if I was the Bengals, uh, if I, I'd obviously be banging the drum for <laughs> trade down. But uh, if they're gonna pick, then um, I'll get get me Chase, and um, you can then spend a couple, or you can spend a two and three on a, a O line. You can spend a pick next year on O line. Um, you can. I'm not saying don't invest in the O line, um, but it it's for me. It comes down to the question of if you're gonna have one that's elite.
1: Improper disposal of batteries can spark fires. Fires on garbage trucks and at trash and recycling centers cost millions and put lives in danger. Batteries do not belong in regular trash and recycling. Learn more at gorecycle.org. Brought to you by Montgomery County. Obtén los precios más bajos de la temporada en Macy's en todo lo que necesitas para la primavera, como un 50-60% menos en trajes, blazers y pantalones de sus diseñadores favoritos. Compra más, ahorra más durante la gran venta de zapatos. Recibe un 40% menos con dos o más pares, 30% con un par. Y ahorra un 30-70% en joyas finas durante nuestra gran venta de diamantes. Además, descarga la aplicación de Macy's gratis hoy por aún más precios más bajos de la temporada. Ahorra sobre precios en oferta y liquidación aplican excepciones
0: is it an offensive tackle or is it wide receiver? And then I'm, I'm not saying the rest can be all good or great. What difference does, if you can have one elite, is it for me an offensive tackle or is it for me a wide receiver? I want to chase the elite wide receiver and the good to great. O lineman, wherever that might be across the five O line positions. And and that for me is, is where do I want my elite to be? I want my elite number one position is wide receiver. Then it's, um, sorry, number one's quarterback, number two's wide receiver. And then after that, it, it probably might it'd be interesting between an edge and corner discussion there because if you've got one elite corner, then he's just going to throw at the other corner.
1: Or, just hypothetically, they take Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater at five, and then in the late first round, you move up and you get Terrence Marshall, Elijah Moore, Maybe Rashad Bateman if he's there, you hop the Browns at 26 and you go and get a wide receiver, then you get both. Yeah.
0: There's, there's, there's loads a, of there's loads of tackles in the draft. Not as good as Sewell and Slater. But Jonah Williams is the uh, the, only, <laughs> the
1: only
0: position that's good on the O line. They've even, got one left tackle and nothing else. So <laughs> <and> he's <laughs> he's another left tackle.
1: And, and Jonah Williams is as damaged as Joe Burrow. So it's like it's nothing to bank on, though. Um uh, I'm trying to think of another draft question. Okay, so say they go edge round one, the Browns. You're looking at day two. They got 59, 89, and 91. You said corner, safety, well, receiver. Cor- 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 Is that with you?
0: The top two picks at the moment.
1: Yeah. One of the top two picks has to be a corner, as things stand today. See, I would if if say they go edge and they don't move up from or move down from 26, I would move up from 59 because I don't think they're going to make nine picks. Would you agree with that?
0: i'm not sure on this and lots of people are saying hey i just can't see them making nine
1: picks i know one of the guardrails is turn the bottom of the roster so i'm kind of leaving the door cracked open that they'll draft nine players because then they can say well this player will go sheldrick redwine has gone we'll add another safety or uh Kaderil hodge is gone we'll add a receiver there so like i can see them adding nine picks i just don't know if it's going to happen but the the piece
0: i wrote what was it it feels like a couple of months ago, I think it was like two weeks ago on what potential, not holes, but roster spots are up for grabs with the Browns. We got to, I got to 15 and that was before Sheldon Richardson got released. That is so that's true. 16. And it's like, well, why, why couldn't you bring it, bring it, bring a rookie in, you bring in sort of a a wide receiver. There's an offensive tackle spot up. There's a, um, I'm pulling up that article four, right now. And there, there's no reason why you couldn't draft a tight end four. And and people go, well, you we don't need a tight end four. And it's like, well, why not? Stephen Carlson isn't going to be a tight end two or a tight end three on this roster. So if you're sat there and pick 110 and you've got a tight end you like, draft him. Running back three, you can bring someone in. Deonis Johnson, you know, you're no reason you need to keep him. Um, there's, I think they can easily bring in um, nine draft picks. Well, would I? No. I, I, I'm more interested in right. Once they sit there and they're like, "Oh, we're happy let this." Flip it into a next year pick. Um, I'd I, I, I I'd be crazy, and I would say you you don't draft anyone in round one. You always trade down from round one for two second round picks, and then you take all your picks in rounds four to seven, and you trade them up around. And we only draft on day two of the draft. I would love that. That'd I know be nuts. You but you would have what. Six, six, six,
1: third round, six day
0: two picks every year. Why
1: not? That'd be go fun. crazy. Oh god, Thursday night would be terrible. They trade down. Everybody's they'll be drunk. But you know it's coming. Oh yeah, so it
0: wouldn't be all right. It'd be all right. You're like, oh, well, we uh, Browns fans. You only have to tune in for one night of the draft. And we're going to make six or seven picks. Happy days.
1: So. <clears throat> You're, the article, I pulled it up because this is what well, you said, 15 spots. You okay. said you could see us adding a running back slash fullback, two wide receivers, a tight end, an offensive tackle, two edge defenders, a linebacker. You said five DBs. Now, this is free agency and the draft. And then you said two special teamers. So, yeah, so they I, could, I could be see like them adding free multiple. agent
0: like st- – Steven Nelson or something, but there's right. 15 open spots.
1: Yeah, because you you said this with the premise that they add, this is before we signed Clowney, so you said if they add Clowney, Steven Nelson, and you mentioned Carl Joseph, who signed with the Raiders, so take him off, but yeah, I mean, I could see them adding at least one wide receiver. A tight end, maybe late, maybe an undrafted guy. Offensive tackle I don't see, but interior I do, because I'm not sure they're sold completely on Dunn Enhance, and Hans and Forbes, so I think the interior... they could just
0: draft a tackle and then slip Hubbard inside. Hubbard was the PFF's 11th best guard last year, so the, they could be looking true. at and going, well, rather than pay a White Teller $12 million a year, potentially, they could go, Hubbard's actually quite good. Let's give Hubbard $3.5 million a year on a two-year deal so 7 million over 2 and then go not this coming season season after and go one well, on let's draft someone and uh, if the draft pick doesn't work out on say day 3 it's it's not a bad idea that if if people are that high on bill callahan that he's amazing and he can work all this magic well you don't have to have the most expensive o line in the nfl because you've got to be saying, hey, we trust this guy and he's incredible. Or Bill Callahan's only really good because he's got the best the most expensive offensive line in the NFL. So it, it's that kind of, it wouldn't surprise me if they do some interesting stuff like that, because uh, as well, it means you keep Joel Batonio longer. It's not saying, hey, we're going to go cheap here. It's saying, right, rather than get rid of Joel Batonio and pay White Teller, you're going to go, right, let's, let's sort of edge this around. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if they add an offensive tackle because hey, Jack Conklin could be gone in 2 years time. And I know that's 2 years into the future, but draft now, let, they're looking let, ahead.
1: Barry let's draft it. someone
0: in the 3rd, 4th round and if you sat there and the, hey, they they you swing tackle for 2 years and then you're like actually, Browns fans don't mind that Jack Conklin leaves because We've got this guy that we drafted in the third, fourth round. Bill Callahan's turned him into a, a guy. He had to come in and play two games because someone went down,
1: and he's the absolute nuts. Absolutely. Uh, as we ramp things up, you wrote another great article. It went out this morning. You've actually been sitting on this for a couple of weeks, and we finally unleashed it onto the, uh, to the, the uh, Browns fan, fan base. It was, the title of it is, Where are the best players drafted by position, and why should we care? And Jack, I'm always amazed because when I go to look at these to edit them and you've been telling me about this for weeks and I go and start reading it and it's just like, holy crap, dude. The time you take on these articles is amazing. I'm always impressed. Uh, You went very in-depth and you broke it down position by position and you use data and you just say, this is where wide receivers should be drafted. This is where... Offensive tackles should be drafted. And, dude, I it's kudos to you, man. You put the work in, and it's fantastic work. And it doesn't go unnoticed because we always get solid feedback from everybody on it.
0: All right, cheers. Uh, this one, yeah, it's been – I think we've been shooting DMs about this for about 10 months. Oh, yeah. Um, th- this has been going on for ages. Um, so, effectively, I just went through the last – what, so we got 10 years of PFF data and just went right where's the best players each year drafted according to pff and so i'm saying hey the best player in 2015 which round or pick was he drafted in average it off and the average is interesting from the number but what really interested me was hey how what percentage of players are taken in the day one in day two day three udfas just to get that sort of feeling of like hey Where are the best players taken? Because Quinton Nelson was an interesting discussion for me a couple of years ago where I felt like him in the draft. I was like, look, he's the only player that I felt was a lock to make the Hall of Fame. Not Baker, not anyone else. He was the only one where I looked at him and went, that that guy is something else. Um, And at the same time, I, I would have been horrified if the Browns drafted him. And it's not so much position; it is positional value, but it's also that: well, you, why are you getting a guard in the first round? You don't need to reach that high to get a guard, and that's sort of a lot of what this article stemmed from. And is, hey, out the top twenty-five percent of guards in the NFL each year, forty-two percent of them are taken on day two. So it's like, well, what, why are you really drafting someone on day one? Twenty-five percent of them went on day one so it, it, it kind of works off of that and no surprise the highest percentage for players taken on day one um, were is quarterback 71% of them, obviously you've got the exceptions like your Brady in there really dragging day three up to 14% um, but it, it's one that is really interesting to look at that and the two other positions that are up there is edge defender and offensive tackle, they're the only two over 50% of Great starters, top 25% players in the NFL um, get drafted in that first round. So if you're looking for that stud at quarterback, at tackle, an edge defender, you pretty much need to look in the first round. And, and that was sort of a, an interesting note for me to go, hey, it, I've always been a, a fan of the trade down, but these are probably three positions and a new quarterback was in there. It, I, I was on record a year ago saying, hey, unless you need a quarterback quarterback, why are you using the first round pick? Let's go and get multiple first round picks instead. But it goes because it's not always about, hey, this is what I value. I, I'd wait on this. I'd wait on that. It's um, one of going with, well, if, if the NFL really, really high on a position and all of the best players are going in the first round, you can't afford to wait till day two um, sometimes because everyone's gone. Um, and obviously there's exceptions. In the same way though, no one's drafting anymore a pick 199 and going, it's a, it's a good spot to find a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's just nuts. Don't look at the exception, look at this, the standard grouping.
1: Was there anything in this that like surprised you looking over the data? Yeah, so one that really
0: stood out to me, um, was when we started looking at UDFAs. Um, so New knew running back was going to be high. 16% of UDFAs, uh, 16% of running backs who are great um, at UDFAs. We knew that. You can get running back anyway. But the one that stood out was cornerback. And I know it's harder for PFF to sort of grade coverage. Um, it's not as binary as passing a ball, catching a ball, rushing a quarterback. It, it's, it's more complex. But according to their data, 20% of the top 25% of cornerbacks in the NFL. So you great players. We're not talking the elite. We're not talking just the above average. We're talking great. Uh, The UDFAs, which really, really surprised me. And sort of, I started chatting to PFF Brad. Great, great follower. And just said, this, this doesn't, the number doesn't seem right. And, you were saying, well, it sort of depends what you're looking for in a cornerback. If you're looking for someone that plays press man coverage, they them guys do actually really need to be high. Whereas if you're more of a zone scheme, you can pick up zone corners basically anywhere. Um, and, and there's that part of the divide into it. Obviously, you've then got slot corners, which aren't drafted as high, they aren't paid as much, even though they they're really important. Um, so yeah, that was sort of a, a particular interest um, that I saw, and I was like. Hmm. That that's interesting one to note because some positions it's like hey well, yeah you need some UDFA's to that you pick up just to fill out your camp roster and make sure you've got bodies, but almost you need to be targeting these ones like cornerback, like running back, um, interior defender did quite well, whereas some of the other positions quarterback three percent, um, tight end six percent, center eight percent, nine percent a wide receiver. Those are positions where you're you're unlikely to find anything awesome from a, a UDFA.
1: The best thing on this, and this is you're basing basing it on your top twenty five percent thing, two percent of kickers were a day one pick, and I think there was only one, and it was Janikowski. That is. <laughs> right,
0: in, in the notes, I I went pretty strong here. I went, um, my take on kickers.
1: Um, here, I'll read it it says if you're spending a day 1 or 2 picks on a kicker then you should really be fired before you make your next selection even a day 3 pick is wasteful based on the numbers and i can remember cuz i was with uh, with you on your podcast when they drafted cyber and we both didn't like it just because why are we drafting a kicker in the 5th round like it's if you draft a kicker or even if you draft a punter like i think jacksonville drafted a punter before russell wilson in 2012 like what what are we doing here people like and then Tampa and this is a great tweet I seen today they traded up for Aguayo that same GM just won the Super Bowl and brought back every single starter so it's like you get some chances and it, and sometimes those chances don't work out but i mean if you're drafting a specialist in day 2 or even day 3 it's it's just baffling
0: yeah, no, it's, it's crazy some of the stuff we see. And it, it just goes to show it's like it, being smart isn't good enough and being stupid doesn't guarantee you're going to struggle in the NFL. It's a weird old world. Um, but no, it's it's one that it's about trying to find these little edges. Um, and it's it's balancing that, hey, here's my positional ar- value argument or here's the reality of it um, and then just sort of working out between the two what you decide. And I, I just thought it'd be interesting and it, it definitely turned out that way. Um, this one just to sort of come together with a list. I've included the top 10% and the the top 50%, I think is more important. The top 10 percent's is a bit of a, Hey, um, if you're trying to chase the elite, where does it come from? But in the same time, how often are you sat there in a draft and going, yeah, we feel this guy's going to be a top three quarterback in the NFL or top this, because there's just so few. Whereas if you're saying, Hey, a top eight quarterback, a top eight running back, a top eight tight end, a top eight center, that's a realistic thing to chase. Um, ideally top 16, top half of the league. Well, yeah, that's, that, that should always be the goal. Um, but no, it's sort of, it's just an interesting data set to sort of look at and sort of see, Hey, what should we do? And sort of just understand about positional scarcity and wide receiver. I thought was an interesting one. The fact that um, what are we at with wide receiver? It's basically 75%, just over 75% of the top wide receivers go by the end of day two. So while fans are like, oh, let's let's, let's take a punt on wide receiver on day three, well, there's a good chance it's basically a wasted pick. You're going to get someone like, hey, we're hoping Donovan people Jones become something and it's not saying yeah once you get past that threshold oh everyone's crap um but it's also then looking at something and going hey center 38 percent of centers who are great are taken in day three so where some of these teams looking at taking a center potentially at a late first round they're not. um and it's finding those little things and just going he might turn out to be the best center in the NFL, but does it matter?
1: Yeah. I mean, JC Charter was a day three pick. Nick Harris was a day three pick. I mean, you you tend to see, I mean, you could look at this and then you think back to certain picks, and it was like, yeah, you can find a starting center day three. Um, you can find depth, right? Corner and turn them into like 24% of day three corners where end up being in the top 25. By, by your uh, data, Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. I mean, that's, the, that's the best case. I mean, you look, people, people were like, people trashed the Seahawks draft, I think in 2011. And most of those guys ended up in 2011 and 2012, and like two years later, they won the Super Bowl. So it's like, as long as you have good scouting and you know what you're doing, you can build a competent roster. You can find gems in the late rounds based on what you're looking at and you looking at this data and you're saying like, Hey, we can find certain positions in these rounds. You could become a Super Bowl contender. As long as you know what you're doing, you are looking, you know what you're looking for and you know, you can get it in certain rounds. It's I mean, as long as you put the right pieces together, success is made any day of the draft. Yeah.
0: No, it, it, there, there's certainly opportunities there and it's just trying to play an edge. Um, we started the show by saying, Hey, 12 out of, 32 picks in the first round are the ones that are going to be successful. Get a second deal on average, um, but if if you can play a small edge, um, and as I was mentioning what happened in Tampa, Tampa was an awfully run organization, and then they won the Super Bowl. Um, so it, it, you've just got to play your edges, and then it's a lot of luck. Lot luck, of luck is the biggest factor, absolutely. Um, and so yeah, you've just got to see how it rolls. Um, but no, we've it, it's really nice from the past couple of off seasons where Jack can attest to this, I, I spent most of my time swearing and, um, just unhappy that we'd make what I was considering another stupid move. And, um, no, it's, it's been a, a thorough joy. Um, or oh, not the last couple of seasons, the two before last season. So last season was okay. Um, but no, I, I thought we should, we failed to address my preference for a slot corner and Andrew Berry did me a solid this year.
1: So, uh, it's all good. Are you? Are you? Did you order your Troy Hill jersey yet? No. Are you going to? No. Do I need to send it to you? I don't think I'm ordering any
0: jerseys this year. Well, I when, I might order some more Browns wear, but it's more going to be like jumpers and t-shirts and stuff. Well, just get I, ready I just, for that.
1: When Nick Chubb signs his contract extension, get ready for that Chubb jersey to come in the mail.
0: Just on Chubb, um, if the Richardson release, if there's anything I point to that making the most sense that's potentially half of nick chubbs 25 million salary so um yeah and and people are going well who cares about this who cares about the money this year and i'm like oh that's exactly that that, that's great if you want to have that strategy but that is nick chubb gone off your roster but he's, he's not up this year and it's like well if you go and spend all your savings when you've got the se- the most expen- second, second most expensive roster in the NFL, well, you've got no money. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I would, if I had to point to a player and went, who was the biggest winner from the Sheldon Richardson release, I would say it's Nick Chubb's career in Cleveland.
1: Without a doubt. Like, when I've seen that, how much cap space we had, everybody's like, oh, we're going to go sign Steven Nelson or we're going to go do this and this. And I'm like... We might sign a couple more players, but I think we're gonna roll that cap over and just add more flexibility. Over the cap is is weird right now because it says we only have nine million in cap space next year, but I feel like we have more. I feel like we have more. But cause I could have sworn we had like 40 million, like a right when free agency started, unless something changed. Uh, obviously the projected salary cap is a little different. So um, but I feel I like we're gonna have like 205 million next year. Yeah. But, um, I thought we had more cap space next year, but I could be wrong. But roll the cap space over and create to continue to create flexibility that's what this front office is doing. They haven't got the cap rollover added into that, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, but like, but honestly, like, cap roll, like the cap rollover and draft capital, like, if they trade down Thursday night, Jack. Would not shock me if 2022 picks are what they get back in return. Oh, 100%. In addition That's what to, chase. yeah, because they like to have draft capital. They like to have this flex- flexibility because they're setting themselves up long term. It's not just going to be everybody's like, oh, we got to go for it now. We got to go for it now. No, we don't. Like, continue. Just... We, we are a Super Bowl contender right now with this roster. I would rather be a Super Bowl contender this year and the next year, and the next year, and the next year. Like, we don't have to go all in. Like, maybe we make a trade for Stephon Gilmore. I may have made a bold take like that on another podcast. But, um,
0: yeah, I mean – I, I think I think you said Steve Nelson's name wrong.
1: Well, Why too. do I want to
0: give up a third-round pick for Gilmore <laughs> when I can get Steve Nelson for free?
1: Well, you know, Jack, it was a bold take. Chase mean... my
0: value. Chase my value. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's it's aggressively chasing value, and, yeah. that, and that's what lots of people don't understand. When when you say aggressive, lots of people confuse that with wasteful, and it is like you don't have to overspend just to be aggressive. Yeah, you're aggressively chasing every edge and bit of value as possible, and that does mean moving on from player like Richardson. Um, so no, it's it's an interesting one on what they do, um, as you said. They want to be sustainable with this. They want to sit here and have a 10-year window where the Browns are in the playoffs nine out of 10 years. And that's that's what I want as a team. Um, it was Ozzy Newsom when he was running the Ravens said, our goal every year is to make the playoffs. Once we get there, there's lots of luck and lots of other stuff. But basically the goal has to be every year from a front office perspective, make the playoffs. And that for me is all I want let's play January football if we get there nine times in the next 10 years it's a good chance we end up winning it if if you spend loads of money and you get there next year who knows Baker goes down halfway through the season well that's over we can go into a five-year rebuild to make sure we get our roster in the right position that's not what I want I want want to be at this every year Um, and, and I'm up for them ruthlessly chasing value Quite frankly, we, we've got the head coach, we've got the quarterback, we've got the GM. Purge everyone else whenever you need to. I really don't care. Um, everyone else is just along for the ride. I, I don't care whether you're my favorite players or you're my least favorite players. You're all irrelevant in the scheme of it. And that, that's just life. Um, and that's the way the NFL works. It, it's about them three people. GM, head coach, quarterback. Everything else is noise um none of them are that crucial to winning none of them are that crucial to losing um it just comes down to good decisions by the front office good coaching and good quarterback play and uh, if we've got those three happy happy days we're competing for super bowls
1: absolutely at the end of the day that's the goal the goal is to compete for super bowls and not just one i know everybody's like well we just need one I, one is nice one is nice because obviously like what the cavs did a few years ago that was amazing but I'm thinking back now, because of things that happened, we could have had three or four. I wanted, I would take three or four over one. As much as the one was amazing, I want multiple Super Bowls. I want to, I, I want the Browns to get back to what they were at the beginning of their franchise. And this is the 75th year. It's been a long time since we won one, but I don't want just one. I want two, three, four, five, six. Like I want to go Brady status with Baker and Stefanski and Barry, and like that's the ultimate goal. And I feel like they're going to add more pieces to that on th- Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But you got to keep the train rolling. Like one would be great, but multiple would be even nicer just because we could say we have multiple Super Bowls, but also just to shut the rest of the NFL fan base is up saying, oh, calling the Browns the frowns, the clowns, everything else. Like get them back to the dynasty that they were in the 40s and 50s is the ultimate goal. Oh,
0: yeah, 100%. I, 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 I follow sport over this side of the pond and hey, you win something by the time the season starts again, that's gone. That was last season. I'm over it. It's um, yeah. Give me the next one. Um, and and that, that's all I'm interested in. I, I've, I've, I've said for years, the, the whole idea of the the tank, the rebuild, it was to build something sustainable. I don't want to uh, one, two year blowout. And then it's like, Oh yeah, we, we're going to go into a rebuild. Oh, god's sake I, I don't i don't want to go through that and, and however fun and I, I love what the dolphins have done i, I love what the browns did Mass resources spend loads of resources but continue spending there's no reason why you can't have two first round picks every single year people are like what and i'm like yeah i want two first round picks every year um that whole idea was like yeah just continue absolutely throwing resources there again and again and again and again, and again. um and why not? But enjoy the edge until stupid teams start becoming smart teams and start catching up with you. Um, the issue is you've heard it time and time again in draft week. Uh, it was in Pete King's article again. Every team basically now wants to trade down. Um, those edges are going to disappear. It won't take long. And then the advantage will actually be trading up because teams, the price will deflate so much that no one really wants to trade
1: up unless they're trading
0: up for a quarterback, which is the smart way of doing it
1: absolutely um as we wrap things up definitely go check out both the jack's articles uh the draft analytics board or the analytics draft board as i should say and where are the best players drafted by position both of them are available on the dogland.com uh, jack go ahead and plug your twitter and we'll get on out of here
0: yeah so it's at jack duffin du um, dms are open any questions cap roster building ping them there um tweet them, DM them, happy to answer them. But uh, no, all the writings at the Dogland, I don't think I've got anything this side of the draft. I'll be working on a big series in probably the end of May.
1: Yay. Always looking forward to those. Uh, As we wrap things up, follow me on Twitter at JackMcCurry08. Uh, We should be back at some point again this week, whether it's to recap the draft um, or we might do another episode before the draft. Uh, Don't have anything tentatively planned, but uh, we do things on the fly so obviously keep it locked here on the Dogland Podcast um, and until next time go Browns go Browns
0: bienvenido a Kaiser Permanente el doctor ya te puede ver verá que aunque eres muy activo ahora te cansas más rápido de lo normal verá que a menudo almuerzas comida rápida verá que pones a tu familia primero y tu salud tiende a caer en segundo o tercer lugar Y claro que verá que tienes el azúcar alto, igual que tu papá. En Kaiser Permanente trabajamos juntos para ver todo lo que tú eres y darte el cuidado que tú mereces. Kaiser Permanente, para todo lo que tú eres. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights, and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel.
1: Enjoy your stay in Suite 13.
0: Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet?
1: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.